So this morning, uh, this isn't our first uh, scripture that we're going to be looking at. Um, for those of you that might know, uh, I've kind of uh, grown to fascinate about eagles. I love eagles. Cheetahs were always my favorite animal growing up. Um, but there are a few animals that inspire more awe and fascination than the eagle. Uh, I remember going down the Susquehanna River uh, on Larry and Sherry's boat and seeing a huge, massive nest, eagle's nest, uh, on the bank of the, the Susquehanna. Uh, I've had the privilege only a few times in my life to see uh, eagles soaring above. Uh, sometimes I've seen them on the trees, and just the grace, the beauty, the majesticness of them is amazing. Uh, it's no wonder that the Second Con Continental Congress of the United States uh, on June 20th, 1782, selected the bald eagle as our national animal. Eagles are admired. Uh, they're symbols for power, freedom, transcendence, uh, as well as courage, strength, and swiftness. Uh, as the lion is king of the jungle, the eagle is king of the sky. Uh, my fascination actually started when Joanna uh, was asked to oil paint uh, an eagle picture for Eagle's Wind uh, coffee shop over on the Strip. While she painted, I was drinking coffee on my computer, looking them up, because uh, that's kind of what I do. Um, and I never imagined what I would uncover. The habits and the heritage of eagles amazed me. Um, I never imagined that I would be comparing eagles to spiritual les lessons, the, the Christian walk. Um, we can study the eagle, marveling in the wonder uh, of what God created, and along the way, we can learn some spiritual truths. So, of course, I went into the Bible and I looked up many different uh, scriptures. Uh, I believe there's actually over 30, somewhere around 34, 35 scriptures that reference eagles. To save you time, I'm not going to preach on all of them. Uh, but here are some things that I found, just facts, just to give you a quick mindset uh, to kind of get the picture of an eagle. I had a, a wonderful PowerPoint, uh, my thumb drive, everything, and when we brought it here, it wasn't on my thumb drive. So uh, you have to bear with one slide today. But uh, just envision this as you, as you see the, the picture here. An eagle stands at three to four feet high, has a wingspan of six to eight feet, and can weigh up to 15 pounds, can reach speeds of over 100 miles an hour. They have a grip strength eight times stronger than ours. They have well over 7,000 feathers. And if they lose a feather on one wing, uh, just out of balancing, they will automatically lose the feather on the opposite wing uh, in order for them to keep balance. Uh, and just for your benefit, in case you have an eagle feather, don't tell anybody, um, because Bald and Golden Eagle Protection Act of 1940, it's actually illegal to pick up and or keep a bald eagle feather without a permit. You could end up in prison for one year or get a $100,000 fine. Now, I've searched many different places to see if that's true, and it is. And uh, you can research and let me know if I, I didn't, but... Uh, I don't think if you have it, they're actually going to come and arrest you, but um, I think you're not supposed to sell it, disturb the nests, and, and things like that. So I just 
thought I'd share that with you. Uh, in addition, the eagle is an excellent home builder. Uh, I had this wonderful picture of a grown man sitting uh, in an eagle's nest. Uh, just to give you an idea, they can weigh up to one ton. They're about six feet in diameter. So if you've seen a four-person hot tub, that's about the size of an eagle nest. Um, the most fascinating that Joanna actually liked when I was going through this, because of course I share everything with her as I'm studying, and, and she tells me, yeah, that's good, no, that's not. Uh, she actually liked this one probably because of the artistic part of it. We have 20-20 vision. Eagles actually have 24 vision. Okay? Um, their eyes are embedded on either side, giving them near panoramic vision. Uh, they can turn their heads about 210 degrees, uh, which is just makes them amazing predators. Uh, their eyesight is eight times stronger than ours. They can see a rabbit over two miles away. Uh, to put it in perspective, uh, if we were standing on the top of a 10-story building, we could see an ant walking on the ground. Um, so they have amazing eyesight. Now, you think that's fascinating. This is, this is the part that really is interesting. Uh, if you had eagle vision, you would actually see the world in a more beautiful way. Eagles have an abundance of photoreceptor cells, ultraviolet light perception, and oil drop filters, kind of like a camera. And it allows them to see many variations of different colors. So their color palette is pretty amazing. Um, Joanna stopped me there and she said, do you think that's what our vision will be like in heaven? I said, I don't know, um, but who knows? Uh, but with such keen eyesight, uh, the eagle, when it's going after its prey, will actually fly in front of the sun, uh, blinding its prey so they can't see them. Um, so that's just a, a little bit about an eagle and just the fascination that I uncovered as far as what they are, uh, some of the habits and, and things. So it's no wonder that the Bible has many references concerning eagles. Uh, eagles have odd and ood people across many biblical generations. Uh, you can read about them in Deuteronomy, Exodus, Hosea, Jeremiah, Obadiah, Ezekiel, Habakkuk, Proverbs, and Revelation, uh, as well as others. But uh, they provide imagery of eagles swooping down from the heights above or carrying their young on their backs or sitting in the cliffs. So my question is, in searching all of this and gathering this, what is the theology of an eagle? How can we get Scripture, God's Word, from uh, an eagle? If you turn to Deuteronomy 32, uh, this is going to be our first passage. Deuteronomy chapter 32, uh, verse 11. Uh, one of the things that I want to let you know is Deuteronomy is filled with the law, uh, many accounts of how God is gracious. The law is surrounded by grace, and keeping the law was basically a response to the grace received and anticipated. So in this verse, Deuteronomy 32, 11, we have a powerful and encouraging image of trust and security in God. So the main point here for this verse, I would say, is God is parenting and teaching. So if we can kind of gain that concept when we look at this verse and study it more closely, think of parenting and teaching. Deuteronomy 32, 11 says, As an eagle stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, he spreads his wings, he caught them, he carried them 
on his pinions. Now, Joanna's always like, what's opinion? Uh, I thought it was an opinion. She thought it was an onion. Um, but it's just pinions. Pinions are the ends of the eagle's wings, the feathers that uh, are on the outermost of the, of the wings. So really, you could just put wings there, and it would be sufficient. Um, but anyway, I just... Yeah, she, she brings to light a lot of things that I don't think about. But anyway, um, the reference here is to God's fostering care of Israel, uh, dealing with them from Exodus 19.4, how he said, how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. He's reminding the Israelites that he bore them on his eagles' wings through their early, earlier trials and implied that they would continue to do so if they followed him. This passage points to parenting and teaching. If you look at the first section, as an eagle stirs up its nest, the key word here is stirs, and the Hebrew word means an awakening from within. So what an eagle does when they're uh, old enough, they're, they're, they're stubborn. They do not want to leave the nest, um, whether it be they're too secure, too well-fed, uh, too comfortable. They need a little motivation. So the parent eagles will take their talons and their beaks and they will pull apart the soft bedding that's inside of the nest and uh, it'll expose some sharp sticks. And what the mother eagle does then is it'll hover above it, flapping its wings, stirring that all around, making it uncomfortable for the eaglets. And then that kind of motivates them to get out. Uh, but they don't necessarily know how to fly at this point, so they will do what's called branching. They will jump from one stick to another stick and back and forth. As they're jumping, their wings are out, kind of getting that feel for the air underneath it. Um, and this reminds me of when uh, Pastor Brad taught us about cultivating the soil um, to encourage new growth. Uh, God will stir up our lives, making us uncomfortable, and this is so we can branch, right? We can branch out. We can awaken uh, so that we can kind of get out of our comfortable nest and uh, be called and do what we were called to do. Uh, we do the same thing to our children, uh, learning to ride bike or to swim. Uh, I don't know if I should say this out loud, but uh, we had this... Um, Everybody thinks that, you know, gym teacher, uh, I teach students how to shoot basketball, how to kick a ball, how to throw a football, all that. Well, uh, they wanted to know my secrets on how to uh, teach children how to ride bike. Uh, I don't know if this is the right way or not, but this is how I do it. I take the pedals off. Uh, if you know, our house is kind of on a hill. Uh, put them on the bike at the top of the hill and push them and let them go. Uh, and hopefully they learn to keep their balance. Uh, Joanna's down at the bottom getting ready to, to catch them, um, but they either go or they fall. Uh, and needless to say, they're okay, right? Yeah, they're, they're okay. They might have had some stumbles, but they learn. Um, but the idea here is we're making it uncomfortable, pushing them, trying to get them motivated uh, to do something. Um, so how is God getting you stirred up in your comfort zone, in your nest? Um, so that's the first part. The second one hovers over its young. Hovers is a word that means lingering close at hand. Uh, this same word is used in Genesis 1-2 during the creation, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. Uh, the word indicates a high degree of care, uh, even concern in its action. 
Uh, it's just like uh, the Holy Spirit hovering over the surface of the earth uh, during that time, caring for it. Uh, the eagle hovers over its young. Uh, for us, uh, this would be closely associated to what we would know as the helicopter parent, if you're familiar with that term. Um, and we'll just leave it at that. Uh, the next one is spread, spreads his wings. The idea of spreading is extending or covering over. Uh, she flutters uh, as she's above them, showing them, instructing the eaglets, teaching them uh, how to uh, fly. Um, it does it at various instructions. The, the mother eagle will uh, just kind of circle around the nest, getting higher, and then come back down. Um, and uh, different heights. Uh, this reminds me of Ephesians 5, 1 to 2, where it says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Uh, in our terms, or children's terms, we are to be copycats, right? So as that eaglet is watching the mom flying, eventually they'll copycat what the, the mom is doing. The next concept is he caught them. Uh, this is to take away, carry, or bring to. Uh, eagles unsure or the ones that are very, very stubborn, afraid to leave the nest. Uh, some of you, um, this might be like uh, what I did for the bike riding. Uh, if the eagle is... Eaglet is too stubborn to leave the nest. Uh, the mother eagle actually pushes them out. Uh, and then that eagle will fall to the ground. Um, but what is amazing is the father eagle will swoop in and catch them before they hit the ground. Um, so uh, it's just an amazing uh, picture. Uh, when people love us and do not let us languish in defeat, but they push us to our limits, they motivate us, they encourage us, uh, when we're at the valleys of our life, uh, it's God who swoops in, whether by sending uh, another believer to help us and encourage us, or he himself gives us that peace and joy. Um, but when you're down, we can be assured that he can catch us too. Um, and uh, it's just an amazing picture. Uh, true dependence on the Lord here is revealed. Uh, moments of our trials and sufferings, uh, James 1, I love James, always have to throw in James. Uh, James 1, 3 to 4 says, Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Uh, when we go through trials and, and testings and uh, sufferings, when we come out on the other side, we're more wise uh, from the experience, but we are also made mature and complete. It's through that perseverance, not giving up, right? Because eventually the eaglet will learn to fly. Um, and just as God catches us when we fall, uh, the eagle catches their young when they're falling. The last part, he carried them on his pinions, uh, means exactly that. He carries them on his back. Uh, we love God and try to keep his commandments because he is our God. Uh, obeying God is a response to God's loving grace. Uh, focuses on the gospel. Uh, just as God cared and loved the Israelites, the eagle's care for her young is a beautiful picture of Christ's love for us. Uh, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24 to 25, <clears throat> that's not right. 
First Peter 2, 24 to 25, it says, and he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness for by his wounds you were healed. The word bore here means carried, right? It's the same concept here of what he does. He carries us on his wings. Uh, God carries us because of what Jesus did. He bore our sins on his wings, on his back when he went to the cross. Uh, he became uh, sin for us. Uh, his divine justice came between our guilty souls uh, as he uh, hung on that cross. So as the eagle lifts and carries their eaglet, uh, so Christ carries and lifts us through his sacrifice. Um, so here we have Deuteronomy 32, 11. Uh, when you're looking at this verse, uh, they will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Uh, when you're reading this verse now, uh, just think of God being an amazing parent, God being an amazing teacher, and uh, think of these uh, concepts being uh, awakened from within, lingering close at hand. Uh, God is always there covering over us. Uh, he is there to catch us, and he will carry us on his back. Um, so that's the first passage I have uh, that points to parenting and teaching. The second verse uh, that I'd like us to consider is in Psalm chapter 103. So Psalm 103, verses 1 to 5. Psalm 103, 1 to 5 is a psalm that shows us the overarching theme of Scripture. Uh, it's written from one who has been redeemed from sin and destruction, uh, who has experienced firsthand grace and deliverance of God, one who once saw death but now has life, uh, it's of a song of a saint who, yes, is still in low valleys, still struggling with trials and sufferings, uh, still succumbing to his own weaknesses, uh, still through his life experiences is being molded and refined into righteousness. Um, but here we have something uh, much deeper. Uh, Psalm 103, 1-5 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so thy youth is renewed like the eagles. So the actual idea of so thy youth is renewed like the eagles comes from their long, intense molting process that takes several years. Uh, some people will say that they go to, and I thought this uh, until I did more uh, research, some will say that they go and they hide and they'll break their beaks and their talons and pluck out every feather. Uh, that's not true. Uh, the actual, what they do is they just, they go through this intense, they're real brown uh, and they aren't very attractive uh, over those first couple years, but then after their molting process is done and new feathers are provided, which are white and beautiful, uh, then you have the finished product. Uh, so that is kind of what we're looking at here when it says, so that youth is renewed like the eagles. It's a growing, it's a maturity process here. Um, and likewise, uh, the Lord provides a renewal for us as we mature and walk with him. Uh, sometimes we have to go through a molting process that is tough. Uh, but the idea here is renewed. 
And there's three verses here uh, that talk about a renewed spirit, renewed mind, and renewed knowledge. Uh, in Psalm 51.10, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Uh, Romans 12.2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then Colossians 3.10, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of him that created him. When we are renewed, it is at these moments that we are coming back to God. We can fly higher in the skies like an eagle. Uh, we can fly up close to the sun. Uh, we're loving the upper ranges of the sky. And once again, like young eagles, we are flying high and loving it. Um, this renewal should motivate us to worship our Lord and Savior just as David did here in this passage. So understanding David's renewal process of becoming like a young eagle, we look back at the first couple of verses here, and it says, bless, my, uh, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that was within me. This is a deep stirring. Right? If you want to go back to Deuteronomy's verse, this stirring, this deep stirring is within him. It's not just one part. It is body, mind, strength, soul, and spirit. It's everything that he is. He realizes that because he was made new, he is a new creation, he can bless the Lord with all that is within him. And what did the Lord do? Right? He tells us in the next verse, forget not all his benefits. What did he do? He forgives sins, he heals us, and he redeems us from death to life. And then what does he do? The psalmist continues here, all right? Uh, this is a, a picture of the kinsman redeemer. Um, uh, he loved us, elevated our souls to the highest spiritual peak. Um, but the psalmist continues here that those who are, are renewed and delivered are royalty. We are crowned with loving kindness, showered with tender mercies. Uh, this renewing is uh, showing a demonstration of God's grace, love, and mercy, uh, there's two words here, loving and kindness. And the concept here is you could put loving or you could put kindness. But when you put these two together, it makes each of the other word more powerful. Uh, tender mercies is the idea of taking pity into action, binding a broken heart, comforting a sorrow, encouraging the downcast. Uh, the result of God's work, both in us and through us, bring us to what it says who satisfy thy mouth with good things. The good things are the blessings of God. The true satisfaction in our life, the good things, right? only God himself can satisfy. And that is the renewal within us that yes, he saves us. God fills that void. Uh, the renewal process, one of the things that uh, I love to compare this to when you say renewed is the refining process of gold. When gold is refined, it's put through fire to remove all the impurities. So as the eagle goes through this molting process and it's being made new, we, when we go through our molting process, God is taking out all the impurities and he's making us new. We are a new creation. Um, so just as the eagle goes through the molting process to be renewed, only God can renew us and make us new. Um, so here we have uh, the molting process of an eagle uh, and how we go through that same process. The next verse is Psalm 91, 1-4. to 
Psalm 91, 1 to 4. This talks about being under his wings. Now, this one was probably the most fascinating uh, one that I studied uh, because the others, I kind of had an idea where it was going, but this one threw me for a loop. Um, and as in Sunday school, uh, Bill mentioned about, you know, you can only go at, as deep into Scripture as you'll allow it. And uh, this is one of those things that uh, I felt was amazing in that aspect. So I'm kind of excited to share this part with you. Uh, so the concept of taking a person under one's wing is very familiar to us. Uh, when you're alone or you're in need or guidance, somebody else comes alongside and can care for you, can teach you, can guide you. In Scripture, under his wings is a metaphor of protective refuge of God's presence. Uh, the imagery here alludes to a mother bird taking her vulnerable hatchlings under her wings to nurture, train, shelter, guide, and protect. Uh, Matthew 23, 37, Jesus said this about Israel. Uh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you are not willing. Boaz recognized that Ruth, a Moabite foreigner, had sought refuge under God's wings. The psalmist writes several times about taking refuge and singing for joy under the shadow of his wings. But here there's a richer, deeper, fuller application of what under his wings means. In the first verse, uh, the idea of God's sheltering refuge is, is established. Uh, some translations uh, do get it a little bit more accurate, uh, and that's why you should always try to study different versions. Uh, sorry for those that uh, don't, but you should. Um, uh, because here, this idea here is the secret place of the Most High. The shelter of the Most High rests in the shadow of the Almighty. The actual, real, true translation is the secret place of the Most High. And in the Old Testament, the Jewish people associated this with a specific place known as the Holy of Holies. Uh, inside the wilderness tabernacle and then later in the temple, inside the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. And if you're familiar with the description of the Ark of the Covenant, they have two cherubim with the wings covering what is known as the mercy seat. So when you're looking at this verse and you're considering what this is saying, uh, this sacred place of worship contained on the Ark of the Covenant covered by the mercy where God was enthroned, his holy presence as he dwelt among his people, which you can read about in Exodus chapter 25, verse 22. This mercy seat that had the two angels with the wings overshadowing the Ark is echoed here in Psalm 91. Uh, the one who dwells in the secret place of the Most High abides in the shadow of the Almighty is the ones whose sins have been atoned for and who stands clean and forgiven. Only then can they say, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So the picture of here, He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. When you go up to the first verse, He dwells in the shelter of the Most High or the secret place. We're talking about the mercy seat. And of course, that is a picture of moving forward to the New Testament 
when Jesus Christ would come and tear the curtain so that we can have direct access to the Holy of Holies. And Jesus became that one and only once and for all sacrifice on that mercy seat. And when we have trust in Jesus Christ, we are protected under his wings. Um, and it's just an amazing picture here of uh, God's love for us and how uh, we can find refuge in him. Uh, the Old Testament mercy seat looked ahead to the atoning work of Jesus, while the cross looks back at the atoning work of Jesus. Um, it's a great symbol. And now, just like an eagle protects and shelters their young, because of Jesus' redeeming sacrifice, we can forever abide under his wings, under protection and shelter with his presence and find refuge in him. Now, the most difficult part, I'm moving to the conclusion here, the ending. Uh, I was struggling with this because I didn't really know how to, to, how to end. And I did some shuffling around, and I thought, well, why don't I just end with one of the passages? So that is what I'm going to do. I'm going to end with the last passage, uh, Covering Eagles. It's on Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 to 31. Um, this one has to be uh, my favorite. The last one was great, and, and I know everybody's like, this is my favorite verse. This is, um, but this, was, this is one that gives us hope. Uh, this is one that uh, I hope encourages you. Uh, the book of Isaiah is filled with sobering accounts of Israel's sin and rebellion, warning of coming judgments. However, in the later chapters, there's a glimpse of God's amazing plan to reclaim his people through a suffering servant, a deliverer, a coming Messiah, one who would establish God's kingdom. So here in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 to 31, it reads, Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired and weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Now, Isaiah 40, 31 is probably a, a scripture verse that many of us have maybe uh, got a plaque and, and hung it on our walls, or maybe we've memorized it. Uh, I think there's a song out there to it. Uh, I'm not going to sing it for you because I don't even know it. Um, Joanna started, though, so it doesn't surprise me. Um, but it's a famous verse. And when you look at this, there's so much to it. Uh, the passage reflects an acknowledgement of God's sovereignty over his people and a reminder that no one can be holy on their own strength, that we must wait for the Lord's provision. Uh, to get a better grasp of this, uh, I'm gonna share here real quick. Isaiah 40, starting in verse one, and I'm gonna go down through real quick. Isaiah 40, one to two reads, comfort, comfort my people, speak tenderly to them, her iniquity has been removed. This is a shift where God is now saying, I got something coming for you. Okay. Comfort, be at peace, just wait. Okay. 
Then he goes into verses three and five, prepare the way, then the glory of the Lord will be revealed. What's he going to reveal? Verse uh, six to 26 talks about God as a creator and ruler. But the most significant verse up until this point is in 11. Isaiah 40, 11 reads, like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. As for the sheep, no creature has less power to take care of itself than the sheep. And of course, we know that Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the great shepherd. He is the chief shepherd. So here we're getting this, we're getting ready to see what verses 28 to 31 is about. Having spent all of Isaiah showing the greatness and glory of God, he is now showing what a difference in our lives understanding the glory of God will have. With passages like this, we can find provision and victory if we wait on him. And that is the key. The key here in verse 31 is to connect the word wait or hope or trust. There's different translations that will say hope in the Lord, trust in the Lord, wait in the Lord. You actually need to combine all three of these words into one to get the true meaning of this when considering the habits of an eagle. Um, Eagles definitely know how to wait. They will sit on the cliffs and they'll just put their wings out a little bit and they're waiting for what are known as thermal gusts. These thermal gusts will help them take flight and they actually wait for the hotter, the better. So they wait until the, the hottest part of the day so that they can fly height or fly high. They seek out storms for this purpose. Uh, some of you may know that they fly higher than the storm. Right? They don't hide in shelter in their nest or in the trees or in the rocks. They actually go above the storms because the storm is what makes them fly higher. And the word wait and soar in this verse need to be connected. Um, the word of waiting comes from the Hebrew word kawa. Now, I'm going to try my best to explain this uh, because I'm still trying to process this. Kawa means to wait, look for, or hope for. Now, this is the figurative definition. The literal meaning actually comes from the word for cord. Now, if you can think of a cord or rope, it is several cords wrapped together. And as we know, the more cords, the stronger the rope. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says a rope made from three strands of cord is hard to break. Now, Joanna reminded me of a Japanese samurai's kumihimo rope. This type of rope is actually made with eight strands. It's used to hold their iron-plated armor and decorate their sword handles. So a rope's strength comes from all of the strands working together. So the literal definition of this word implies strength through numbers. A rope's strength comes from all the strands working together. It is an active word. So if you put the figurative, waiting for, hoping, and rope, and combine it, it is an active urge to remain in hope and confidence in anticipation of victory despite our circumstances. We are actively waiting in anticipation, hopefully 
watching for God, or uh, yeah, hope and hope, watching for God to act. So it's the combination of both of these. When a rope is in slack, what's it doing? The rope is at rest or waiting. It waits for the owner to put it to use. It's not passive, it's, it's waiting. Uh, Joanne and I just started watching the swamp people. Uh, I like alligators. Um, and uh, they put the, the bait on the end of a hook that's on a rope. And the best illustration I can have at the moment is that rope is just there waiting to be used. Right? It's, it's inactive, it's there, it's, it's being you, but it's waiting for something. It's waiting for its purpose. And as soon as that alligator comes up, grabs the, the bait, and pulls it, then that rope is using what it's intended to use. So the idea here, but those who wait in the Lord will renew their strength. We're not supposed to be passive. We're supposed to be actively pursuing the Lord. And he will give us strength as we're doing that. And then what will happen? They will soar on wings like eagles. When we are actively engaged and waiting, being renewed, we will then soar when we're called to use our spiritual gifts, uh, called for the purpose that God has set before us. And the imagery here is uh, we will not grow weary we will walk and not faint. God's supply of strength never diminishes. It's always available. And if I could say, to connect this to Pastor Brad's teaching of Hebrews, Jesus is the better eagle. <laughs> um, he is the best example of it. He carried all of our sin on his back. As we're falling deep into sin, as we're falling and going through life's trials and sufferings, he will catch us. And he will carry us on his back, lifting us up. And then, through this, he displays great loving kindness. He displays tender mercy. And when we combine the word wait and soar here with all of that concept, we are actively waiting to take flight. Um, I didn't put the picture up here, uh, but there was this great picture. And if you ever... I'm not trying to promote Eagle, Eagle's Wind, but I do love coffee. Um, but that picture over there, uh, he commissioned that painting because of a song. And he wanted specifically an eagle almost in flight. It's at the edge of the cliff waiting with the wings just out a little bit. And that's what we're to do. We're to be like that eagle just waiting for that thermal gust being used so that we can soar high above the storms so that we can be what God has intended us to be. Um, the eagle is an amazing thing. Uh, I hope you've seen the theology of, of an eagle. Uh, there's a little bit more I shared in Sunday school uh, as far as some uh, things I took out, but I hope that when you see the metaphors of eagles in Scripture where it says, under his wings, or this verse, wait on the Lord, soar on eagles' wings, hopefully you'll be able to uh, just grasp a little bit more. And if there's another phrase that catches your attention, I encourage you to study it, dig deep. Uh, again, you can only go as deep as you're willing to go. So I uh, hope you were encouraged uh, by uh, just a little bit about eagles and connecting it to God's word and the metaphor here uh, in these different passages. And uh, may you be encouraged. And I pray that you wait and soar 
uh, in uh, God's strength. Let's pray.